Well, uh, thank you very much. And first of all, thank you for this uh, very stimulating talk and paper that goes with it. Um, my questions stem from um, one of the main aspects of the work, which is very intimate. It's a, it's a dialogue, um, incredibly situated and in, in a very interesting context. Um, and of course, this approach, as has been discussed here now, um, has a lot of um, very um, rich elements and gives life to ethnography and the like. My question has to do with connections with the broader uh, society, with the broader discourses that, that float around. Um, focusing on the intimate and the improvisation might give the idea that uh, Randia's universe of reference is only her experience, her relation with the ethnographer, uh, her relationship with her children, but of course it's certainly broader than that. So I was just wondering how to juggle these perhaps elements of scales, uh, but I would perhaps call it more a form of intertextuality, how Randia, for instance, um, connects with various dimensions of her own world, of her own life, um, and brings that to the improvisation itself. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, uh, I think that, um, you know, this is, of course, an article and I do raise, um, um, I, I address those questions in the book. Um, that, that article is also a chapter in the book I'm writing uh, in a different version. But uh, absolutely, I think that an intimate improvisational moment needs to be situated in a larger context in which that ethnography um, was conducted, which obviously is the post-EU accession and, 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 and Poland's entry into the Schengen Treaty in uh, 2007 um, and, and EU in 2004 in the context of mass migrations from Poland, both of uh, Polish um, uh, people, but also uh, Romani people. So, um, and and um, and what what really started happening in Poland that many Roma, just as many Poles uh, of young and middle age, migrated out of Poland to to the UK and what other Western countries. So, um, for uh, for for you know many generations, older generations, or you know uh, older middle aged people, and 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 especially the elderly, were left in many communities um, fending for themselves. And of course, fending for themselves is a, is a tricky term because of obviously just like Polish children as well as Romani children try to support and care for their elderly as much as possible. But for the community in in, in which I had worked. Um, the, 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 the younger people who left uh, were not able to support their family members in ways in which they would like to simply because their financial and economic situation has not improved uh, uh, diametrically in Western Europe, as we know. I mean, they're not uh, Roma who migrate to Western European countries, not all of them uh, benefit from that migration. So. Um, and also what 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 you know i've been linking this in, in in the book i'm writing to the larger sort of notion of um uh long-term care and and uh, elder care in poland and also sort of the larger context of europe where 
um, in, in up until very recently, so right up until I would say previous decade, long-term care in Poland was barely in existence, right? So um, elders were never placed, very rarely, very rarely placed in context of uh, long-term care, but um, it was almost unthinkable to find Romani elders in long-term care. Um, so, so, so that the, the work I'm conducting with the Romani women is, is largely about uh, both them and me coming to terms with this notion of placing elders in long-term care. Um, in fact, it, you know, after that article was written, I did have to uh, go to Poland, take um, compassionate leave of a term to find a long-term care facility for my mother. And it was really interesting, and, and sort of my book addresses that, um, that, that particular moment in my life, but also in Randia's life, when, um, you know, when I finally was able to find a home, I was very difficult to do so because homes were, are still scarce in Poland. And I was having a conversation with my colleagues at York um, here in Canada, and they, you know, the response of some of them was, it's wonderful. And to me, that was, you know, a big shock that, that people think that finding a long-term care for, for your um, a family member is, is, a, is a wonderful thing. It was sort of like almost a familiarizing moment for me. Like it was for Randia to think about, you know, one day I might have to be able to go to long-term care because my children may not be able to come back. They may not be able to afford care for me. Um, so, so, you know, th those improvisational, uh, uh, very intimate moments are really caught in this uh, really effective economy of care um, that that they clearly need to be situated and and what and also in to larger questions um, about what does it even mean to talk about uh, Romani migration that's really really also a complicated um, 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 I guess um, concept to even think through because Romani people have been constantly stigmatized as uh, uh, migrants as 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 sort of inherently migrant, where in fact, majority of the Romani people I've worked with have actually been Polish citizens. They were born in Poland and raised in Poland. And, um, and, and there's also this kind of, you know, stigmatization of the Roma in relation to migration and uh, uh, their um, migrant and uh, itinerary life and, uh, and, and sort of, um, uh, they, they've been seen as stereotypes as, as travelers, right? And people without history, without culture. Um, so it's also really tricky to think in that in relation to those questions as well. My question is just about the intimacy of the experience. Um, this was clearly a, a long-term one-on-one interaction, and I'm wondering about translating this kind of version of reflexivity to group context and communal context, if you've had experiences with that. I think that, um, that, I mean, I don't think it can easily be translatable, right? So it's always sort of, you know, just like life itself, you can't just pass it over to someone else to live it for you or live it in those same kinds of ways. My book, Staging Strife, really deals with it in detail because it was a project um, that involved, it was my doctoral project that involved a group of um, actors um, in Poland, young actors, and also a group of Romani women, five Romani women, and we um, uh, created a theater production uh, sort of that was, you know, loosely based on the women's experiences of violence in everyday life. 
And uh, what was really interesting in this project is that it basically did not work uh, because, you know, all the centuries of stereotypes and prejudice that uh, were ingrained in a sort of Polish uh, psyche um, came out in the rehearsal room, right? So, um, and, and it was a very contentious project where, you know, I argue in the book that, that the, the all sort of ideals of collaboration and participation were largely compromised. Um, I don't think that kind of intimacy uh, would be possible in a group setting um, always. I mean, it, it, it again depends. It's really hard to generalize, but I think it's really interesting to be able to then sort of juxtapose different processes because ethnography is always about representation and, and about politics of representation. So we can learn a lot um, and, and uh, you know, um, um, Johannes Fabian argued that performance is great for conducting ethnography, not because it's more of anything else, but it's because it can show us the ways in which people can relate to each other uh, in terms of power, right? So by comparing different modalities of research, we can, we can sort of gain, it's kind of like parallax effect, right? We can gain different insights and generate different sort of truths, truths with small uh, t. So, um, I, I mean, I absolutely think that um, that it's that kind of intimacy. I mean, and, and that sort of relates to the previous question that was asked is about, um, you know, if it was planned. Um, no, none of this was planned. In fact, um, you know, I wrote this book, Staging Strive, feeling horrible about the whole process. Um, and also as a being, being as a doctoral a student, revealing all these kind of really uh, nasty ways in which the project didn't work was really frightening. And, and just, you know, feeling guilty about uh, doing research that was supposed to be collaborative and participatory. And I saw as completely disempowering and, and just, you know, like, like really, really bastardizing the idea of collaboration and participation. And, and the situation that I describe in this project, um, you know, awkward anthropology in this article, it was, it totally caught me by surprise because, you know, this woman said to me, okay, so the way we're gonna do it, I'm going to improvise, I'm going to act and you can jump in. Uh, you know, I can sometimes cast you in, in, in character, but I never expected that she would cast me in character and totally asked me questions that were sort of this elephant in the room and we we're both grappling with it, right? So, um, so I think that was the, the unexpected, the, the, the surprising ways in which the women um, totally, and, and I'm not saying that was premeditated or I'm not saying that was conscious necessarily on their part. I think there were moments in which it became conscious and I li literally saw that premeditated uh, manipulation of that strategy. But I don't think it maybe it didn't necessarily have to uh, be begin like that, right?